what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm your co-host for this final episode, Corey Tyndall. What? Yeah. It's here. It's sad. It's so weird. I know. It's so. I've been trying not to think about it, man. I know. It's been a lot of my whole thought process the past couple weeks and like getting ready to move. And I'm like, oh, it's Monday nights are going to feel weird. I'm like, I'm not podcasting. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, but we are also joined by our guest from last week, Amber Williams. Yes. Hi, guys. How's it going, Amber? It's good. It's How was good. your week? Good. Good so far. Busy, but yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to be here and just talk about it stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so before we get into it, uh, have you guys been watching anything this last week? I really haven't had time to watch anything this mm. week. Busyness of the week. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I had a shared movie experience, so I don't know oh, how you want to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. We watched the uh, 1976, mm-hmm. I think, film, yeah. Network, who is all in it. It has a very star-studded cast. Uh, Faye Dunaway, uh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. I almost said Martin Sheen for some reason. <laughs> nope, he was. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, I want to say Pete, uh, William Holden is in it. Peter Finch. Yeah, um, I was going to say Peter Berg, but he's a director. Um, <laughs> yeah, Robert Duvall. Ned Beatty's in it. Uh, Ned Beatty's great in it. Yes. Um, I think is that everybody. Yeah. Uh, is Max it, Schumacher. Did we say him? Oh, well, that's the uh, character. Well, William Holden, yeah. Yeah, so. William Holden is Max, Max Schumacher, yeah. Written by uh, Patty Chayefsky and directed by Sidney Lumet, mm-hmm. who is kind of... Sidney Lumet's one of those weird guys. Uh, he's, he's a really interesting filmmaker in that he's been, he had been making movies since the 50s. Mm-hmm. He made 12 Angry Men, which is, you know, considered an all-timer. I've actually never seen it. Mm-hmm, me neither. But... When these, uh, when we talked about in the film school last week, the, the film school, the film school brats, when they were started coming out, like Spielberg yeah. and Ridley Scott and Martin Scorsese, he really, really liked their style, and so he actually went out of his way to go and adapt that style. Oh, okay. His own. So a lot of his '70s movies mm-hmm. feel like they're from that film school pack of people, yeah. even though he was been making movies mm-hmm. for like 20 years at that point. And so this is one of his 70s movies that feels like the, like, I really feel like Martin Scorsese could have made this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, the movie's about a... A, 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 a news network. Yes. That um, is, like, doing really poor in their ratings, and this is kind of right at the, the big, like, peak of, like, television and kind of, like, television, like, networks. And so this news network actually gets bought by an entertainment network. And so it's kind of a lot of, like how like the journalistic ethics kind of get shifted to more kind of like people want entertainment value and like what gets more ratings and what people want to watch as opposed to like you know the hard you know clear-cut news and it's really good it is man it is an all-timer yeah so good (laughs) i kind of wanted to watch it for a while um you guys might be like familiar with it it has the 
the famous, like, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore quote. And so that's the only thing I knew about the film. And then I, like, researched it a little bit and I found out, oh, it's kind of about, like, journalism and TV broadcasts and stuff like that. And I'm really into that since, you know, I studied that in college. So I was like, yeah, I want to watch it. And I was like, it seems like a movie that MJ is going to like. So he came over and we watched it. And, man, it's really good. It's a really good commentary on, like, a lot of things. I feel like I'd have to watch it again to, like, fully say everything it's commenting on like yeah yeah you, the thing is it's it's such a dense movie as far as the, the way you can approach it because you can approach it as um journalistic ethics you can approach it as uh you know like, corporatized entertainment you yeah. can approach it as uh really femininity versus masculinity you can approach it as some sort of re- uh, comment on religion yeah. there's just so much to unpack in this script yeah. and it is a really tight script it's yes. only a two hour movie uh, and it covers all that pretty much in detail yeah and it is acted like the dickens man yeah. it is so well <laughs> well performed uh peter finch in this movie is uh, he's one so of the best good. performances yeah. i've ever seen in a movie by anyone um yeah it's there's i kind of don't want to get too much into it because i want you guys to go kind of yeah. seek it out and and really like watch it and chew on it it's um it's a what 40 year old movie now yeah 1976 yep it's a 40 year old movie that feels crazy important right now yes we were watching it and like mj and i would keep looking over at each other and be like this is very close to home right now (laughs) in terms of the commentary is giving about everything in general and i was like this was made a long time ago how is this happening yeah yeah uh which is uh, sounds kind of pessimistic but i guess could be a little bit hopeful if you're feeling very uh despondent about the current state of affairs yeah. <laughs> pretty bleak uh it's just like oh we've been through we've been here before yes or people have seen this before yeah so uh yeah it also hit at this really interesting time in america because there was kind of a hangover from the vietnam war um we were in the middle of a recession the cold war was the happening. cold war was at its peak mm-hmm. But also, as America, we were getting ready to turn 200, you know? Yeah. The, the movie came out in 76, takes place in 75. So mm-hmm. there were just kind of all these things swirling around the culture um, that, that you know, uh, Nixon stuff was pretty yep. recent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was. it just kind of feels like a culmination of all those things. Yeah. Sort of this perfect storm to produce this piece of art. Yeah. And also it was at a time in the film industry when films like this could have been made. Mm -hmm. I don't think you could make this movie in 2016. I don't think so either. Uh, There's too much talking for it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. So go give it a rent. Um, I would just say go buy it. I'm going to buy it. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Really, really compelling movie. Yeah. What I watched this week was Stranger Things. I want to hear about this because you've been blowing up Twitter and Facebook and I'm just like, what is this? Is it like a Spielberg copycat thing or like what? X-Files? Or- so Stranger Things is this new Netflix show that kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of people. I had heard about it and I had heard that the, the trailer looked kind of Spielberg-esque and I was like, that sounds neat and then just never got around to watching the trailer. Yeah. But then I saw a bunch of people that started watching it and just hit Netflix this past Friday and they were like, oh, it's great. Like, everyone has to see this. Mm-hmm. And so, I love Spielberg. Yeah. That's well established on this podcast. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so I was like, let's give it a shot. We actually were ready for church very early this morning. And so we had um, we had quite a bit of extra time. So we, we watched the first episode. And, who man, it is so good. It, oh, wow. It's so good. It's It just hit every single one of my, like, Spielberg nerd buttons. Yeah. Um, it... it it feels like this like hybrid of the X-Files and a lot of Stephen King stuff and a lot of Steven Spielberg stuff. Um, you, I mean, the opening kind of feels like uh, E.T. meets Jurassic Park. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I actually feel like the f- intro leans almost a little too much on some imagery from E.T. Mm-hmm. Just not enough to ruin it at all, but just a little bit too much. But then it gets, it just kind of goes off into its own thing, but very much has that Amblin feel to it and yeah. in such a perfect way. I mean, we've talked about J.J. Um, Abrams being a Spielberg clone. J.J. Mm. Abrams wishes he could make something <laughs> as good as Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, it's The first episode is better than anything J.J. Abrams has ever attempted to do yeah. in terms of making a Spielberg movie. It's so good. Uh, I don't remember the guys who, who directed it, but it's a directing duo, which furthers my theory that directing duos are better than not directing, than solo yeah. filmmakers. Uh, I mean, we have so many of them now. Lord and Miller are making the best comedies out there right now. Um, the Russo brothers yeah. are making the best action movies out there right now. The Coen brothers have just been making some of the best movies of all time for about yeah. 40 or uh, <laughs> 25 years. Uh, and so it just, this is another one where it's like, man, these guys, they, they were able to hold each other accountable to some stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Winona Ryder's in it and she is great in it. I love Winona Ryder anyway. I really hope this is the beginning of the Winona Ryder Renaissance. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, she's so good in the show, man. Um, yeah, if I put on Facebook that like, it's so good that I was having physical reactions to the stuff I really love. Like I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. It's too good. It's so good, you guys. It's only eight episodes. Uh, they're all on Netflix right now. And if I had my brothers, I would have spent all day today watching it just in one sitting. Wow, for sure. I could easily burn through this in one sitting. Like not even question. Yeah, you're gonna squeeze it out so you kind of enjoy it more. You're just gonna binge through. I kind of want to binge through it. Yeah, like, <laughs> especially since we're not recording on a Monday this yeah. week. I'm kind of like, can we just watch Stranger Things? Mm-hmm. Like, go take a break from your Pokemon hunting and rest your legs and go watch Stranger Things because yeah. that is fantastic. Um, speaking of which, uh, yes. as, as our news this week, uh, let's talk Pokemon Go. I think all three of us in here are pretty uh, avid fans of yes. it. It's been out for about a week and a half at this point, mm-hmm. and it is a bona fide phenomenon. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, have you guys really poked around it? Uh, and, and Poked around yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, how much hunting have you guys done on it? Um, I try to go to the park. Uh, I've gone to the park, like, four nights this week. Nice. So couple hours each night so awesome uh yeah i've kind of been off and on you know you and i have gone a couple times and i don't know i've kind of like walked around my neighborhood so i mean like a a fair amount i'd probably say maybe i put like five six hours into the to the game so far what about you mj yeah i mean i've been oh gosh i've been about (laughs) five times to to the park we have a park in our town that's just like it's a hot spot. Yeah. yeah. It, there's so many people there always, and it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you guys think it is about this game in particular? Like, why is why is everyone lashing onto it? So real quick for 
listeners, if you don't know or haven't under heard, a rock somehow, yeah, you know, don't know what Pokemon <laughs> Go is. It's an augmented reality game developed by uh, Niantic and the Pokemon Company, where you basically kind of go out and I've described it to people as kind of like it's like geocaching for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, your phone uses like the GPS and everything, so you can see where you are and different like landmarks or stuff in your town, so like museums or churches or like monuments or stuff or like Pokestops and then you walk around and get items from them and then catch different Pokemon and they show up in different areas or different times of day like different Pokemon come out and so that's like the general premise um, but yeah so why do we think it's so popular Ambra what, what do you think um, well I know a lot of uh, when I was younger a lot of my friends played Pokemon so I think that's one reason but then it's also like the community you go outside, you meet all these people that just love Pokemon, and just instant friends with everyone you meet. <laughs> it's it's a really cool it's yeah. phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the first night it released, I downloaded it, and uh, the conversation went exactly like this. Uh, hey, hey, Kristen, come here. I don't, <laughs> I don't care about Kristen. I, I don't care about Pokemon at all. Yeah, and I was like, no, I'm gonna catch this Charmander. And I went to open the door, and she goes, uh, if we have to go outside to catch this Charmander, I'm not going with (laughs) (laughs) And uh, four days later, uh, (laughs) she goes, hey, can we go Pokemon hunting tonight and tomorrow night? And then we've been out, like, four or five times. (laughs) Um, And so my wife grew up uh, not being allowed to play it because it's the devil. And man, so... (laughs) And so she she didn't really have any concept for Pokemon, and she is super addicted to it. Yeah. Um, so she's having a blast. Uh, she has insanely good luck catching Pokemon. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so we, we, we've been going out a lot. It's so much fun. It's just so much fun to go and, like, walk around and catch these things. And like you said, Amber, like, talk to people. Mm-hmm. We went on a walk around our neighborhood at 10 o'clock last Sunday night, and we, like, got into four or five different conversations. And it was like... When was the last time in America you could just talk to strangers on the street at 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. Wow. When was the last time there were over, like, 100 people at the park? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. We were out there Monday night, and there was easily, like, 300 people out there. Yeah. It was crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, I just think it's, like, all that, those combinations of things. People want to have the personal experience with other people. I think this game is hitting at like a really good time in terms of the generation where Pokemon started with, so kind of in like the late 90s. They're, you know, in their like mid to late 20s, early 30s, and so they're all like, even if they've disconnected with video games or like different franchises, they're like, oh, Pokemon, I know that. I was super into that. Oh, it's on my phone. Oh, I don't have to go buy a dedicated like gaming console for that. You know, sweet, I'll download it. Oh, it's the original 150 that I started with. And so I think that is a really big factor, along with the the social aspect. And, you know, some people love the kind of, like, exploring, like, collecting aspect, too. I just think all these things, it's kind of like lightning in a bottle. No one expected this. (laughs) Niantic didn't expect this. You can tell by their server interaction. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, oh, we'll do this thing. It'll be cool. And... Man, it is just exploded. Yeah, it's. I think the. I think starting with the original 150 is such a smart idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, I gave up after like two generations. Mm-hmm. Like I did. I did uh, the original 150, and then gold and silver, and then I was done. Yeah. I, I had nothing else past that, 
And but I was super into it. I had a bunch of cards. Yeah. I played the card game very regularly at the league here at my local Toys R Us. Like I was into competing in the <laughs> yeah in the card game. Me too. Um, and. So this has just kind of brought all that out. I was super into watching the cartoon when I was a yep, kid. And me just too. taking that concept and making it so tangible. Um, yeah. And recontextualizing, like, landmarks that you see every day in your town. Yeah. I mean, this park is a huge park. It's the biggest park we have in our city, and it's great. Like, it's a great yeah. park. It's a mm-hmm. really, really, really good park. <laughs> no one ever goes to it. Yeah. And now it's swarming with people because it's recontextualized it into this thing. It's... Uh, it's just really smart all the way around. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you guys think that this signals the end of handheld gaming consoles? I don't. I don't, I don't think. So. I don't think so. I don't know. Like the whole video game industry, and this is a talk for another time. But is this kind of in this weird, ambiguous place? And so, I. It's hard to say about anything like game console wise or systems, kind of definitively, because things can change like this so quickly. Um, You know, my thoughts before Pokemon Go came out, because, you know, I knew that they were developing this and stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, it'll be, it's it's a good use of a Nintendo IP, some people might like it. I never would have thought it would have blown up like this. And so that makes me have to rethink, like, well, is there a space for, like, handheld, you know, like, consoles and, like, the entertainment market? I don't know. I, I, I want to say I don't think this will directly, like, impact that, but it will probably have some indirect effects of whether or not, like, we get more of Pokemon Go-type games mm-hmm. and, like, handhelds kind of shift away. But, I don't know, only time will tell on that. Yeah, I totally forgot what I was going to say. That oh, you love it. I do love it. But do you guys think that there's staying power in this game? Or do you think it's just going to be, like, everyone, in, like, three weeks we're not going to see as many people playing? I think if they make the updates, like I don't know, if they keep making it better, there might be they might be able to keep some of the fan base mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, I think it's going to depend on whether or not they have like player to player interactions yeah. involved anytime soon, like trading or battling across, just like not having to be at a gym, just like yeah. sitting at your house battling mm-hmm. people. I know they're they're big on the uh, you know go yes, part of it, yes. like fifty percent <laughs> of the title, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think there's also like that that play that PvP interaction yeah. is super important, especially because you see so many people talking to each other out at the park now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like so many players just helping each other out. One of the best features of the game is that um, it's not super competitive as far as catching the actual yeah. Pokemon. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's super uh, cooperative because yeah. we were at the park the other night mm-hmm. and uh, this guy starts screaming, Ghastly! There's a Ghastly over here! And we just bolted over there yeah. and we caught <laughs> a Ghastly. Yeah. I like that you don't snake those Pokemon yeah, from yeah, other players because it would just be like, I would just be constantly fi- arguing with my yeah. friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know? Uh, but I do think like the battle system has some stuff to be designed. Yeah. It's really bad. Um, yeah, it's not that good of a game. I know that's weird to say you know, as someone... It really is not that good of a game. You know, it's like I play video games and I love video games and I look at them critically. It's not honestly that good of a game but there's aspects that it's able to capture in this way where you know, it's a different type of game than we're used to from the Pokemon franchise and I think that's something that's really caught on with a lot of people. But technically the battle system's not that good. Um, the catching mechanics, like pretty good the augmented reality thing is cool but yeah there's some stuff that needs some uh, work it feels like they released this game like a month and a half too early <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so. but yeah i mean pokemon go is I, I think i think there's 
I think the idea has legs. I think it depends on what Niantic does with it. Yeah. Um, and I I think this could be, like, a really big game changer if they play their cards right. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, they have a lot more Pokemon that they can roll out. I think if some of the things that you mentioned, like PvP and trading and stuff, if they p- integrate that into the game and pull it off right, Pokemon Go is going to be around for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just like recontextualizing other IPs, like yeah. turn your hometown into Hyrule. I would be about that. Yeah, I'd be down with that. That would be sweet. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I have a Zelda tattoo. Like, yeah. let's face it, would, it. If that game had microtransactions, I would have. I would do all of them. Yeah. If there was just like AR yeah. uh, Zelda game, I'd be like, all right, max out everything. You're like, I'm here. Yep. Yeah, I would be the only one playing after, like, two years, but I wouldn't get I'd it. be there with you. Man. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. But, uh, yeah, that's news this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we will take a short break and be right back to talk about Ghostbusters. Yes. This week is Ghostbusters. Um, the good news is we got all of our biases and uh, controversial thoughts out in last week's episode. So I yes. think this week we can really <laughs> just kind of focus on the actual text of the movie and uh, just kind of what what this means afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it was mired in controversy. Headed yes, in. yes. Um, I'm sure we'll discover today a lot of it super unwarranted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Especially for the quality of the movie, but I, I mean, what? So, what did you guys think about this this new Ghostbusters movie? Um, Amber, we'll start with you. Um, I liked it. I actually just saw it this morning. Um, I liked the the characters. the The character I liked the most was Holt, Holtzman. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Kate yeah. She's yeah. She's great. She's a spirit animal. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought the overall, I thought the movie was pretty good. Like, I laughed pretty hard on some parts. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's okay. Like it hit me as like just okay. Um, it's not bad, and I enjoyed watching it. I just think like the more as I had a couple days to like process it, it's an okay movie. It has some problems. I think things could be tightened up for a sequel that could be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed it. Some of the humor, uh, for me, I guess just didn't land. I know like. I went to go see with MJ, and, like, he was rolling practically on some jokes. So, yeah. but, I mean, I, my overall experience was positive. I just kind of felt like it hit me middle of the road. So, what about you, MJ? I had a really good time. <laughs> I had a really good time. I actually think I enjoyed it uh, the most out of the three of us that went to go see it. Yeah. Which I was not expecting at all. <laughs> I really, really liked watching this movie. Um... It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's uh, barely good, I think, yeah. actually. Um, it, it, but it is good. Like, I, I do think it was good. One of the things is these characters are great. These are great characters. Yeah. Um, I think they're some of the best characters of the year. And they really work as a unit when the movie fails them. Yes. Yeah. And I think the movie fails them more than it should. Um, but they're such strong actresses that they're able to carry the weight of it. Yeah. Um, and so, so a lot of it feels, 
It feels kind of too long. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I don't it, know if it feels... Yeah, it, the, the pacing is really bad. Yeah, that's that was one of the big things. The pacing and the script. And a lot of those go in tandem of like, oh, this scene feels way too long. But they're really good actresses, so they're able to kind of carry it. But you can see that the script really underserves like these characters. And like, okay, this scene is way too long. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, the editing is awful yeah it's really bad um they just they choose really weird moments to cut yeah to and they'll jump a scene really fast and Mm -hmm. i'll be like i was there were a couple moments where it was really jarring to me where it was like i felt like the previous scene had like 10 more seconds yeah and you just jump to them eating pizza and that was the big one for me when it jumped to them eating pizza I was like oh what happened like how do we end up back at the HQ yeah I don't know what happened yeah Um, but I think and base level I kind of think just doing a reboot of Ghostbusters is a bad idea anyway yeah but I think this is the best possible version of that bad idea yeah I think you're right I think a sequel is going to be better Yes. Um, I think they kind of know what to do now, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, what are some things you guys didn't like about it? Um, I guess, you know, like, kind of like I mentioned, I guess technical things as opposed to personal preference, because, you know, trying to look at this movie, you know, not completely objectively because we can't, but just, like, technical things. Um, Like I said, the pacing. The pacing's a really big problem. I think the script... um, underserves these actresses. The characters are funny, but there's some times where it feels like the script is trying too hard. Whether it's trying too hard in the sense of like it's trying to call back to Ghostbusters or it's trying to stretch a joke out way too long or like have an interplay between characters where it's like, that's just not funny or like we have enough exposition right here, let's just move on to something else. And so I think those were kind of the biggest problems. And they kind of pull the whole film down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what about you, Amber? Um, well, I was thinking, like, some of the jokes, they drew a lot of attention to the the controversy behind Ghost, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a little bit off-putting. I was like, oh, I, I wish I could just stay in the movie. Yeah, yeah it felt really on the nose. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't like that. Like the the internet joke where they're yeah. like, you know, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. bitches can't mm-hmm. bust no ghosts or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. don't read, you know, what they say in the comments and Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, that was kind of bad. Um I guess it's a good jumping off point into there's some more controversy surrounding the movie now in that I think a lot uh, people are saying that like all the male characters are either uh, jerks or stupid yeah in the movie um and a lot of people were complaining about that like it kind of had this anti-men mm-hmm. uh air about it because every male character is either like a d-bag or just kind of stupid or both yeah um, did you guys get that from this movie i mean like i can see how people would get that like i didn't really feel super put off by it because it's like i kind of I mean, another problem, like I said, the script is a problem, but, like, the main villain's not really developed, so he's just throwaway, so I don't really, mm-hmm. like, care. And then Chris Hemsworth's character, he's just supposed to be, like, an idiot. So I I was just kind of like, uh, I, I guess I could make the argument of all the men seem really, all these caricatures, but it, I don't know, it wasn't a huge thing for me. Yeah, I, d- I didn't walk away thinking that, but I, well, all the, all the main characters are strong female leads, but I didn't walk away thinking that they intentionally... There are some intentional shots at 
men. But mm-hmm. I didn't feel like these characters were constant, like, yeah. hey, like, men suck. Yeah, I didn't get that either. And also, um, the, the, big, the big argument for me with, like, oh, all the male characters are stupid in this movie. I look at a movie that's, like, uh, like This is the End mm-hmm. with, like, Seth Rogen and James Franco. Yeah. All those dudes are morons in that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. I love that movie probably more than I should. Oh. But I really, really like that movie. But they're they're really stupid in that movie, and they're supposed to be. So I feel like it's this. I feel like people were reading too much into it based on the controversy. Yeah. Because I feel like if this controversy didn't surround this movie, uh, no one would be talking about that. Yeah. I feel like um, it just happened to be like there there was a gender based controversy around this movie, so people felt like they so people noticed it more. I guess. Yeah. Um. The same with uh. And we do full spoilers on the show, so spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh. People talk about the climax of the movie being that um, they shoot the main villain in the penis, and that's how they get him to die. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It didn't. It didn't really come off as this like Superman bashy thing, especially once again using this as the end. There's a giant naked demon at the end of that movie, and they spend like two minutes making a joke out of slicing its penis off and like oh. watching it fall in slow motion to the ground. In this one, they shoot a penis you can't even see, yeah. and then it just kind of it dies, basically. Yeah. And so, like, com- you, I feel like that that movie, this is the end, is almost the trump card for <laughs> any, yeah. any of the controversy surrounding this movie. Of like, they did those exact same things in this is the end, and yeah. no one said a yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't like that. It just played off as like they just wanted to make a joke about like it's funny when people get hit in the crotch. Yeah. yeah, but like it didn't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt that there was some bigger statement at play in that scene. Not really. I just was kind of more like, uh, all right, a little bit of lowbrow humor. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There, there, there we go. And I guess kind of going from that, uh, just kind of like me personally, like I said, I said, you know, I enjoy, I enjoyed the movie overall. I felt like it was middle of the road. I think a sequel is going to improve on a lot of things. But this type of humor is not, like, necessarily what I wanted in a Ghostbusters movie. So I was kind of a little bit, like, not trying to compare this to the other one. But I think I prefer a little bit more of, like, the dry type of, like, different, that type of humor than a lot of the kind of lowbrow. It wasn't, like, completely Melissa McCarthy pratfall, like, every, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it wasn't, because there was some witty dialogue and banter between it, but I think generally a lot of this type of humor didn't, like, land. it's not, like, gut-splitting for me. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, so with that, I mean, this, to me, it felt like a... Very 2016 <clears throat> version of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like they nailed having a modern Ghostbusters, uh, modern take on Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they set out to do, and I think they actually accomplished that. Um, you know, so I think if they would have hemmed a little closer to the dry wit, people would have complained about it being too much like the original. I feel like this one feels of its time the way Ghostbusters. OG Ghostbusters feels of its time. Because this is kind of like the prominent form of comedy mm-hmm. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It feels very much like the pop, predominant style of comedy now. Just like back in the 80s when a lot of those comedies were being made, like even, you know, Blues Brothers and Ghostbusters, yeah. it was a lot more of the kind of like dry wit, tongue in cheek, that type of humor. Yeah. So. Yeah. I actually, I liked the humor quite a bit in the movie, although I do think they 
relied on improv just a little too much. You could tell that yeah, they improv a bunch of stuff. and Mainly between Melissa McCarthy and uh, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon were pretty good in this movie. Yeah, they were. Uh, so yeah, who were who were you guys' standouts in this movie? I know, Amber, you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, Holtzman. Yeah. She's a beautiful weirdo. She is. <laughs> she truly is. <laughs> I really liked her. I liked her character, and I thought she was the perfect person to be the character. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect actress. Yeah. Uh, I liked her a lot, too. She was, she was very just, like, absurd and, like, weird, so it's just, like, a lot of the times it would either, like, they'd use her to, like, diffuse something or just, like, completely, like, and how? Here's something different. And that mm-hmm. was really fun. And then I also liked uh, Chris Hemsworth's character. <laughs> I felt there was a couple parts in the film where it's like, okay, I know that he's, like, really stupid. But a lot of, like, his interviewing scene with them when he first shows up, that's so good. <laughs> that's so funny. The, uh, Chris Hemsworth is amazing mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, straight up incredible. Yeah, in yeah. This movie. Um, he... There's a bit about him hearing that is one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie in a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all in that interview scene. Uh, him asking if his cat can come. And, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. He's so good in this yeah. movie. And like, I was like, someone get him in 23 Jump Street immediately, please. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what yeah. it is with this like trend of... Like dudes who are known for just being super hot, yeah, suddenly being hysterically funny, yeah. But I, I mean, I guess I'm on board because I love the 21 and 22 Jump Street movies, and I loved his character, Chris Hemsworth's character in this. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Um, I really liked the guy from the beginning of the movie, the tour guide. Oh yeah, guy, mm-hmm. Zach Woods. I don't know if you guys watch Silicon Valley. Mm-mm. He's just... a, he's on Silicon Valley, okay. and he's the best character on Silicon Valley. Oh, really? So immediately, I was like, yes, he's here. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the effects in this movie? I don't know. I thought they were good effects. I don't know. I I don't really. Yeah, I don't know. All right. <laughs> I I generally, for the most part, liked them. I feel where a lot of people are getting hung up is kind of in the sense of, you know, when we think of, like, not talking about effects, but we think about, like, art styles. There's different types of art styles, and those can be done well. So I'm thinking maybe something like you have a more realistic-looking picture, and then maybe you have a picture that's, like, cell-shaded. I feel like the type of visual effects in this movie are a different type of art style that people weren't anticipating. And so it garnered a lot of hate when I actually think it's like the effects for the most part look pretty good in the style that they, the aesthetic that they were going for. So I kind of liken it to how, um, you know, The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker got so much hate when like it first got previewed because they decided to go with this different like cell shaded graphic. And then like after the game came out, people loved it. And they're like, oh, this is one of the best Zelda games ever. And it's a really beautiful art style. I feel like that a little bit of that happened with the effects here in this movie. But, yeah, well. that's a really good point. Uh, I loved the effects in this movie. I thought it was some of the best mm-hmm. effects I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where they get set upon by some... Uh, Ghosts? N- yes. Uh, <laughs> some parade balloons. Oh, yeah. And oh, that yeah. scene is fantastic. Like, <laughs> the, the effects in that scene are so great. And uh, I really like that scene. It's, it comes at the climax, which the climax actually is really bad, I think. Yeah, I think the third act's the worst. The, the last third of the movie is really, yeah. like, mm-hmm. garbage. They're garbage, stretching garbage. for time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
there's one scene with Kate McKinnon where she's like yeah. wrecking ghosts, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> they did a really, really good job on that part, but the rest of it is really flat. Like, it just the action isn't very yeah. good. Um, Paul Feig isn't an action director; he's a comedy director, and so he couldn't handle that, and he didn't put enough jokes. I felt like into the action sequences. Yeah, but the action sequences weren't good enough to not have jokes in them. Yeah. Either. Um, yeah, I think I think that was one of the biggest. That and the villain. Yeah. What did you guys think about the villain? Um, he's his character didn't really. It's he's pretty flat. He's dumb. Know? He's not anything special. <laughs> he, he's like sub Marvel villain status, yeah. which is yeah. saying something because Marvel has awful villains. Yeah, <laughs> he was really bad, especially. Again, it's not this thing of comparing this Ghostbusters to the original, but it's like he's just. He has, like, no motivation. I was bullied, and now I want to open up the paranormal yeah. gates of hell and attack people. I was like, what? <laughs> and that's it. That's all we get about him. Yeah. Did you guys think the movie sent kind of a weird message about bullying? I, I was thinking that at the end. What, like, be yeah. the bigger bully? <laughs> uh, no. Just, like... He was like, I'm doing this because I was bullied, and their response is to just make fun of him more? Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Making fun of him. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, there's, you know, when he he kills himself and eventually becomes a ghost, they're like, they're like bullying him while yeah. he's a ghost, and I was like, what? <laughs> this is a really <laughs> weird message to be sending. They're the Ghostbusters. They're not like the psychiatrist that helps you through. <laughs> I know, but they're like, they're like come over here and get your virginity. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah. Like, you're just be, no wonder this guy. Like, yeah. I'm kind of pro this guy right now. That's super mean. <laughs> you guys are the problem. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like even when they go and find him like as he's getting ready to set it off right before he kills himself, they're just kind of like making fun of him the whole time and he's like pouring his heart out to them of like why he did it and I was like, um, maybe understand him a little bit. And clearly he kind of understood them because he used their book to build his yeah. contraption. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like they could have found common ground there. Not, I mean, I'm not saying it would have been particularly compelling to watch them talk all their feelings yeah. out. Right, right. But at the same time, like, you want to make sure that your protagonists are on the right side of that issue. Yeah. <laughs> and they kind <clears> of <throat> weren't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They were as much as I like the characters that they they were very uh, bad in that scene. Yeah, I, interacting with him, I felt like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they they kind of try to show you his motivation, but mm-hmm. they don't do a very good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's real bad. Yeah, he's not good. He's real bad. Uh, so I guess I mean, is this a franchise you want to see continuing? Uh, maybe. Shruggy guy. I don't know. <laughs> um, I like the chemistry of these four actors. Um, like I've said multiple times before, I think a sequel will tighten everything up and make it better than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I'd go watch another one if it came out in a couple years. So Yeah, like you said, the characters. I like the characters. Um, maybe if they develop the story a little bit more. Move away from Paul Feig as a director. Yeah. I think yeah. might help a lot. Um, but I had a question, and I know, like, we're not really, you know, we talked a lot about the bias and all the stuff in the previous episode, but I feel like this is kind of, kind of related to that, but not, it's kind of more dealing with, like, films and films in themselves. Um, are remakes, 
um, and reboots, are they a necessary thing? Are they a warranted thing? Like, what is our take on that? And I'm not just talking about Ghostbusters, but there's a lot of films that get remade and rebooted where it's like, we compare it to the original, and a lot of the times people will say, well, the original is better. So is there a reason why these reboots or these remakes need to happen? That's a good question. <laughs> Amber, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> The, the first thing I think of is just uh, they want to make a new franchise and bring back the popularity so they can make money. Make money. <laughs> make the monies. Besides money, MJ, is there a... I think it depends. Mm-hmm. I think there can be good reboots. I yes. think there can be good remakes. Um, a movie I haven't seen, uh, The Thing from the 80s, is a remake. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a remake of a 1950s horror movie called The Thing That Fell From Space. I think that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and The Thing, the yeah. 80s thing, is considered one of not just the best horror movies of all time, but one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think you can't... I, I don't think it's off limits. I don't, yeah. think, that, I don't yeah. think any of that stuff is off limits. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, and that art doesn't owe you anything. So if someone has, like, a cool take on something... Go ahead and make it. Yeah. Um, just make sure you make it good. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And in doing that, in making a remake, when you take the name of something that's come before it, like, are is there a certain aesthetic? I know we say art doesn't owe us anything, but is there a certain aesthetic that that new director in that film owes, like, the thing that came before it? So, you know, we've had a lot of these things with, like, Independence Day Resurgence and Jurassic World and now this. Is there something in taking that title, that franchise, that these films need to pay homage to these other ones? I mean, if we want, like, this new Ghostbusters reboot, I guess it should have been Answer the Call, Ghostbusters? <laughs> you yeah. know, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that goes either way. Um, Jurassic World, I thought was helped by it because it reminded me how much better Jurassic Park was. Yeah. Um, Ghostbusters, by and large, people thought that the callbacks were really forced and kind of stupid and would have been, the movie would have been better off just kind of ignoring it and yeah. being its own thing. I actually didn't feel that way about the cameos in the movie. I actually, I wanted to bring that up with you guys, like mm-hmm. how you felt about the cameos in the movie. I didn't feel that way about the cameos in this movie. A lot of people do. I guess I see the argument. I kind of don't, but I kind of do. Yeah. Um, so I don't think... So I think it, it's it's still very uh, subjective, you know? Yeah. Um, especially given that, that one... I mean, and it, not only in Jurassic World is the fan service the only thing that I liked about it because it reminded me how good Jurassic Park is in the midst of that horrible movie. Yeah. I think it did work. Like, I think that sequence where they went to Jurassic Park, yeah. the original... Um, theme park is the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah, like, that's the best yeah, part of the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, I agree. And, but then again, like, uh, you know, Ghostbusters, like I said, people are like, well, why they have to be in here? You know? Yeah. Um, which I feel for the most... I don't, I don't feel that way for most of those cameos, mm-hmm. except for Sigourney Weaver's over the credits. I don't know if you guys stayed through the credits or not. That was at the, was at the very end of the movie? There was something at the very end of the credits. Oh, I didn't... They set up a sequel at the very end of the credits. Yep. The sequel for Ghostbusters 2016 looks like it's going to be Ghostbusters 1984 because it's it's uh, Leslie Jones' character. Yeah. 
listening to the EDP recording thing, and she goes, hey guys, what's Zool? Which is Zool from 1984 Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. So it looks like Ghostbusters 2, new Ghostbusters 2, if it gets made, is going to rely almost more heavily on... Yeah. On Ghostbusters 1984 than this one did, and I don't know if that's a good idea. No, I don't think so. I guess I guess where I fall on like the whole question that I posed is that these certain films, when you invoke a franchise or you're gonna do a reboot, I guess I kind of fall more to the side of I would like it to be closer to the original aesthetic of that. So that includes like not just like, you know, even Jurassic World could have been good if it had stayed to the aesthetic of Jurassic Park. And so that's in, like, the pacing, the theme, like, actually having tension run throughout the movie, um, having, like, a, at least a couple characters that we care about and, like, develop and have arcs. I felt like that could have made that a better movie. But, you know, rather than just, like, oh, yeah, it has dinosaurs and, like, they're at Jurassic Park again, you know? Like, in, in that terms, I, I feel like... There people could say like, oh yeah, it had the aesthetic, and so it was kind of like that. And I don't, I would prefer these movies, these different reboots, to really be like closer to the source material that they come from, but improve upon things and maybe do some new things that kind of they couldn't have done back then, or maybe some different things where it's like, oh yeah, they tightened up that one aspect of that part of the film that wasn't good. Um, and so, in that sense, I think this movie could have been better if maybe it had done something to differentiate itself even a little bit more from it. I mean, it could still be Ghostbusters, but just something that people aren't like, oh my gosh, it's like they rebooted and remade the other Ghostbusters. So, that's just kind of me, personally. What do you think, Cameron? Um, I don't know. I'm on this. I'm kind of on the same vein with that. Um, I think if they do make a sequel, that would be a lot a lot better to not harken back to the old Ghostbusters movies as yeah. much. Make it its own thing, you know? Yeah. Kind of the kind of the problems, like, The Force Awakens had, and yes. people are, people are, are going to hate me for saying that, but I enjoyed The Force yes. Awakens, but, like, people are going to... Remake! It's not the best Star Wars movie. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry people are trying to kill me right now through the uh the speakers but it's not and i feel like a lot of that is because it borrows so much from a new hope mm -hmm. and i wish there there is there's good things of kind of like paying homage to the original trilogy but there's too much where it's like we gotta play this safe and i feel like this ghostbusters movie a lot of the cameos and a lot of the callbacks and all that stuff i was just like okay maybe like one or two and then let's just you're you're your own thing and i think the movie would have been better for that yeah and i think i think it really did strive to be its own thing yeah um, more than a lot of these reboots and remakes mm -hmm. um, whether that worked for you is completely is almost more subjective because it's a remake <laughs> of a comedy yeah which is like kind of a bad idea yeah all the way across the board that's really hard um, to do so th that's the other thing is like this movie is a comedy so it's super subjective it's more subjective than anything else and everything yeah. Is subjective. yeah. Um, but like whether or not humor resonates with you is so touchy. Yep. Um, that, like comedy is one of the hardest art forms to pull off because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I do think that this movie tried, uh, and and I do want to kind of camp on the cameos for a second. What did you guys think about the cameos in this movie? All three, all four of the Ghostbusters cameo in this movie. Um, Harold Ramis, who is deceased, yeah, uh, gets a cameo as a bust. Uh, mm. Bill Murray gets a cameo as a paranormal inve- or a paranormal debunker who gets murdered by a ghost. Yeah, um, Dan Aykroyd is a cab driver. Ernie Hudson <laughs> is uh, Leslie Jones's uncle at the end of the movie, and. Um, Oh gosh, I forgot her name. The secretary from the original. Sigourney. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was the receptionist. She was the receptionist at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, Sigourney Weaver plays uh, Holtzman's mentor at, yeah. the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the movie. Um, I mean, which one of those worked? Which one of them didn't? Did none of them work? I, I definitely like kind of weirdly don't think the uh, the Bill Murray one worked. I mean, I feel like you and I set off Mike. I think it was probably like his idea. You know, like, he, he might have had some hand in, like, hey, you know what would be funny if, like, I got killed in this film? I don't know. Um, but that one didn't really work for me. I feel stuff like, kind of like Ernie Hudson being her uncle and stuff. It's like, that's fine. That's just kind of like, oh, that's a fun little, that's a fun little nod to it. It's not anything of, like, a line feels like force that someone has to say. Like, kind of, you know, I like Dan Aykroyd a lot, but he's kind of like, I don't go to Chinatown. I don't do whatever. And I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I'm like... Okay, man. Like, <laughs> you're just you're just here. I mean, I yeah. guess you know it's not like the movie doesn't fall apart because of that, but it's just kind of like you just stop the scene so we could just have this kind of like scene that says nothing, and I, I don't know. So, the bus is fine. It's not really a big deal. The Sigourney Weaver one was fun. You know, that was just kind of a like, oh, that. That's fun. The the hotel receptionist. I'm kind of like, I guess you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, because. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The those rules are kind of built into the movie. They're not just extraneous. Yeah, there because. So. But. but the Bill Murray one probably felt like it didn't work for me the most because there was a couple extended scenes of it. Because you saw the interview and then he actually showed up and like, what did his death accomplish? And then in I don't know. I just was kind of like, why do we need it? But that's me. What about you, MJ? What do you think? Uh, I did feel like that Bill Murray one was killing time. But oh, pun intended, uh, killing time, man. But I also felt like it served another purpose in pissing off the internet. Yeah, and it was it was one of the best cinematic trolls I think I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, mainly because I'm pretty sure it was Bill Murray yeah. idea to get killed. And I read an interview with Ivan Reitman, the director of the original Ghostbusters, today that said that when they were talking about Ghostbusters three, Bill Murray said that he would only do it if he died in the first five minutes anyway. Oh. And so they wrote it as Bill Murray died in the first five minutes and then was a ghost sidekick to them for the rest of the movie, Yeah, which kind of sounds stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that Bill Murray had a much bigger hand in getting killed off uh, than people may give him credit yeah. for. I think the metaphor people can read into that is that they're saying, like, they, they can read it as a middle finger to the previous Ghostbusters movie, and that makes me laugh super hard thinking that that was the intention. Yeah. Um, they're having people on the internet who already, like, weren't going to give this movie a chance in the first place. Yeah. To have that happen, to just have that opinion. Uh, that was great. so on the on the meta level of like it got the people who are mad over this non-controversy to begin with yeah that's awesome as far as working in the actual movie it doesn't yeah 
The Dan Aykroyd one is... I actually like that one probably... No, I like the Ernie Hudson one the best. Yeah. Um, the the Dan Aykroyd one is a good one, but giving him the line of I ain't afraid of no ghosts is real dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, Ernie Hudson's is the best one. Yeah. Uh, Harold Ramis's is kind of the best one. I think it's the most organic yeah. one to have in there. Um, Ernie Hudson is is cool. I was really excited to see him at the yeah. end. The Sigourney Weaver one really didn't work for me. I was like, oh, okay. You're like, oh, hey. Yeah, the receptionist I thought was a good one. Yeah, um, that was fine. Yeah, I thought that was a good way to work her in. I think that one probably felt the most organic. Because the plot was still moving forward being yeah. through her. Yeah, because yeah, she actually gave them relevant information about yeah. where to find the Jennifer, the ja- the janitor guy. Yeah. I don't know who the Jennifer guy is, but <laughs> the, the janitor guy. Um, yeah, Amber, what did you think about the cameos? Um, I thought Bill Murray's was a little long. Um, I don't know. I like the the end with the cab driver. Can't remember. Oh, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, not Dan Aykroyd. Um, sorry, the um, the uncle who owned the hearse. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I like that one. Um, and the bust was fine too. Like in the beginning, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, yeah. Good. But um, yeah, just some of them were just too much because. Like you said, the plot wasn't moving forward. Nothing was happening. They were just there. Yeah, the movie's real shaggy. There's, yeah. there's a lot of fat on it. Um, yeah. It's just under two hours, and I feel like it could be just under an hour and a half. Um, and it probably would benefit from it, because I think if they did edit it down a little bit, uh, you'd get jokes hitting faster. Yeah. You'd it's get like you get jokes per minute. It's like you talk about with comedies. I think, like, it benefits them to to be shorter and tighter and I look back the original Ghostbusters is only like I think 20 or 25 minutes shorter than this one so it's not it's not you know it's an hour 40 I think that's hour a 30. lot yeah it's still pretty long so no that's pretty sure I mean that's a lot of time 20 to 25 minutes of screen time cut between yeah. the the two that's a lot let's let's you can accomplish a lot in that so if this one had been shorter I think it would have benefited the film yeah um what did you guys think about the villains ultimate uh, form in assuming the form of the Ghostbusters logo and but being like evil and chompy with its teeth. I mean, it's fine, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I was just kind of he is underwhelming as a whole. The third mm-hmm. act of the film is underwhelming as a whole. So I was just kind of like, well, yeah, I guess this would happen. And then like they get sucked in the vortex or whatever. I mean, all right. All right, movie. That's fine. So, I don't know. It wasn't a big thing for me. Yeah, I wasn't too excited and impressed by it, but... Yeah. Yeah, um, I did really like when he was possessing Chris Hemsworth's character. Oh, yeah, yeah, that I was like fun. That <laughs> Mainly because Chris Hemsworth is really good in the movie, so yeah. he's acting through. He's yeah. acting as that character, and so he's already really good. Um, I feel like if they would have had that be a through line throughout most of the movie, yeah. that actually would have been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked Chris Hemsworth dancing yeah, over the credits. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, I know they had to cut that out because the movie would have been like... Way pushing long. way too long but that's <laughs> yeah. a funny that's a funny sequence at the end mm-hmm. yeah but the the <laughs> problem I had with setting that up in the movie is you can tell they cut it out of yeah. the movie yeah definitely yeah. that was really apparent yeah You're like he has them go into this dance position and then they just stay there and it's like did they cut out a big sequence yeah. of them dancing and then they play that sequence over the credits and it's like Oh, oh, there it is. There it yes. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found your footage, guys. You left it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys have anything else to say about about this this update of Ghostbusters? Um. No, I mean I think it's it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, 
you know, grade-wise, I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, you know, if we did grades, I'd probably say this is a maybe, like, a C plus. Um, C plus, B minus, maybe if I'm being really generous. But it's not, it's not terrible. It's, and like I said, I had a positive experience watching it. It's just a lot of the humor didn't land for me, <clears throat> and there's some pacing issues. But I definitely think it's a fun time at the movies over the summer, you know? But... So I, I would tell people, like, yeah, if you're interested, go watch it. It's not, like, the worst thing in the world, like, everyone is talking about. It didn't deserve the hate that it got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's worth a watch. It was it was pretty <coughs> funny. There's some, there some funny parts, and the characters, some of the characters are uh, pretty good. <laughs> I just thought about the Jaws joke, the mayor Jaws. Oh, yeah. the, the joke crafted specifically for yeah. Andre in the movie, the don't be the mayor of Jaws. Yeah. Oh man, that was great. I laughed way too hard at that joke in the theater. Like I laughed way longer than yeah. anyone else did, and I was like, "Don't care, that's a good joke." Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I really like that joke. Uh, also, Andy Garcia is the mayor. I like oh, Andy yeah. Garcia. He was good. Uh. Yeah. Um. It's one of the better movies I think we've seen this summer, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you. Like, it, I had way more fun watching this than I did watching uh, Warcraft. Independence Day or, or Independence Warcraft. Day. Um, yeah. I'm watching a lot of those movies, actually. Yeah. Or X-Men. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's up there as far as the summer goes. It's not a perfect movie by any nope. means. Um, like I said, the editing's really bad. The villain's really bad. The third act is straight garbage um <laughs> it, it, it minus the one really good scene with holtzman uh these characters are great characters yeah, they're they... so de- well defined and so much different than the original ghostbusters yeah. which i think is super important yeah um that i would like to see them come back uh i would also just like to see these four ladies work yeah like, like together on something again even if it's not a ghostbuster sequel mm-hmm. i would like them to come together as a as a group and do yeah. something yeah um, I think I think that they were they all had really really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's it's a I had a really good time watching it. You guys, uh, you know, your mileage may vary depending on your style of humor. Yeah. Um, and, and this isn't even necessarily right up my alley as far as the style of humor, but they're just they came up with some good jokes. And yeah. So I had some good laughs. There's also a couple decent scares in the movie. Yeah, um, I mean nothing horrifying, but there were a couple things where I was like, "That was a that was a scare." Like that, that was a scary child. Yeah, yeah, like you actually went out of your way to make that scary, and I thought that that's the big thing is I feel like they cared. Yeah, you know, like it doesn't seem like they were. It doesn't seem like a cynical cash grab. Yeah. Uh, it just it, like yeah. it, it felt like they had this idea for this new take on the Ghostbusters, and so they tried it. It definitely feels like there's a lot of hands in the kitchen, and Paul Feig definitely had like you know. Um, his his idea of what this movie would be, but it doesn't feel like it's like half-hearted in that mm-hmm. sense. I feel like everything doesn't work, and like some of his vision for what he wanted in this movie is like, uh, you know, it's like I personally don't think that lines up exactly with Ghostbusters, but it feels like they cared more than they cared about Independence Day or Jurassic World or some of these other like just really terrible reboots we've had. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's one of the better reboots we've seen. Yeah, in too. Yeah, it. I think it's. I think it's worth seeing. I'd like to see a sequel. Um, I think they could tighten it up. Yeah. Um, Paul Feig seems like a guy who who does learn with each movie because I. I mean, we talked about last week. I really don't like the movie Bridesmaids. Yeah. And I liked this movie, so I feel like I haven't seen the the two or three, two or three that he made in between. 
So, but it seems like he may actually like be one of those those mm-hmm. filmmakers who takes what they learned on the last film and applies it to the new one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he could take the the things that apply and apply it, or things that he learned from this and apply it to a Ghostbusters two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. I I, I think it's it's worth seeing. Um, and I think it certainly was not worth all this controversy. Yeah. Um, it's both not a big enough deal and also not good enough to be worthy yeah. of all this controversy. Yeah. Smell the road. Yeah. Smell the road. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was sort of a non-issue from the start, but yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mjsmith eight nine one. Amber's not on Twitter. No. And you can find me on Twitter at can the hat forty nine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, fair, farewell. Corey. Yeah, I know. It's like a weird, weird one to go out on. It's yeah. just okay. Yeah. Uh, you'll be back though for the before and after show film school next week. Yes. And that will be one of your last appearances. Yeah. Uh, if not your last appearance, I mean not. I mean not ever. Yeah. You'll, you'll be back as a guest, I'm sure. Yeah. And. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so so you get one more chunk of, of, of audio recording with Corey. Yeah. Um, you get a YouTube video with him this week. We're going to be talking about The Secret Life of Pets. Yep. So make sure and go over to YouTube and check out that. Um, you can email the show, before and after show at gmail.com. Thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's that mm-hmm. R-E-E-L perspective.blogspot.com. Yep. Uh, that's our main hub for everything. Yeah. Uh, you can find the YouTube video. You can find... The podcast, you can find uh, articles about uh, movies and video games and mm-hmm. pop culture from myself and Corey and hopefully some other people soon. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, yeah. Corey, it's been wonderful having you as a co-host. It's, it's been a fun ride. I'm really going to miss it. Yeah. Um, until next time, say goodbye to Corey, everyone. Adios. Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs>